Welcome to Financial Foresight. This podcast was made by four fee-only CFP professionals to help consumers understand the financial industry. Let's meet your hosts. They're either naive, they're stupid, or they're lazy. You know, the other thing is, is uh, my ceiling fan just went out in my kitchen today. He is the commander in chief on this video right now. And uh, man, I am feeling controlled and empowered and safe. Don't stop for Dwight's baby. We can edit that out. (laughs) All of the podcast hosts are owners of RIAs registered in their respective home states. All commentary on this podcast represent the opinions of individuals and not their firms. All commentary is financial education, not financial advice. So let's get started. Welcome to the Financial Foresight Podcast. We have the whole gang back together today. And Ian has a a great topic and something he's seen a trend with his clients, which is all around job satisfaction and changing careers. So can you expound upon that, Ian, and share with us and the listeners what you're thinking? Yeah, sure. So what I've noticed recently is, and I don't know if something's in the water, but quite a few of my clients are looking at different employment options right now. And that's not a bad thing. But what I wanted to start off talking about is a little bit of research that has gone into the idea of job satisfaction and what actually leads to happiness in the workplace so that you know what to look for when you're looking for a job. Um, Because it turns out that job satisfaction is kind of like this Maslow's hierarchy idea. There are some things that you need at the baseline level in order to be happy with your job and then there are some things that will keep you happy with your job in the long term once those initial things are are fulfilled. Um, so the, the first piece that you need to be in place is compensation, right? You should be compensated fairly for where you work, but it turns out that most job satisfaction doesn't actually rest on compensation because if the compensation is good enough, that need is fulfilled and you move up to the next tier. That doesn't mean that your employees, if you're a business owner, won't want to seek promotions, but it does mean that if they're getting paid enough, the money is not that important. And this goes back to the research that we've talked about before on this podcast, that you know, at a household level, having $75,000 of income kind of meets the needs of most human beings. It has a diminishing return effect after that doesn't mean more income isn't appreciated doesn't mean it doesn't let you do more things but it does mean that you don't you know magnitudes increase in happiness for every other thousand dollars that you earn so once you've got you know the basics in place a safe work environment good compensation decent benefits all those sorts of things the next stuff that starts to come into play is the elephant in the room stuff Like, what am I going to be doing five years from now if I stay at this position? So you want to be looking at aspects of personal growth of the community that's available at your job or workplace culture. And you want to be looking at um, levels of intrinsic motivation within your workplace. Um, Good uh, good examples of this are the difference between working for a nonprofit and a bank. Right. Not to say that banks are bad places, but essentially what banks are there to do is take money and make money from it. And so some people do find meaning in that work, but a large percentage of the population doesn't. So 
on the alternative side at nonprofits, a lot of the work can be intrinsically motivated. You know, if you're helping people get through difficult times in their life, if that's the nonprofit's mission or you're building, you know, low income housing or whatever, those things tend to motivate people a little bit better because they can see the impact of what they're doing and the good of it on other people's lives. So these are all kind of things that I wanted to touch on at least briefly because when people are dissatisfied with their jobs, they may not always know why. Do you guys have any thoughts on any of these factors or things that you want to talk about related to the subject? So I, I wasn't, yeah, that, I think it's an awesome topic and it's, uh, especially with us working in the demographics of, uh, especially Gen Y, this seems to come up a lot and people, uh, I think a lot of millennials will maybe get a little bit of, uh, the short end of the stick and say, oh, they're so, um, impatient. They want to be, you know, changing the world and they've only been working at their job for six months or whatever the case is. Um, and, and I totally agree with you that it is kind of the hierarchy of needs. It's like, yep, once you are able to cover uh, a certain amount of income, it is amazing the studies that have been shown that once you get over that level of being able to provide all of your basic level of needs and that the level of happiness really doesn't go up tremendously when you can go from instead of vacationing in Florida, vacationing in the Bahamas versus being able to buy your kids, uh, you know, the proper sporting equipment so that they can have fun at school or, you know, whatever the case is like, it, it, I think as a great point, number one, um, I actually just wrote a blog post about this, uh, talking about the difference between finite and infinite games. And it was inspired by Simon Sinek. If you guys have heard of him, who talks a lot about why and, and, uh, you know, really understanding and taking a step back of what do you, or why you do what you do and that people don't buy what you do or how you do it. They buy why you do it. And uh, I think it's really interesting. I find this too with my friends that they'll, you know, maybe hit a quarterly sales bonus and then they'll get their bonus and they're excited for a day or two. And then Q4 starts up and they're like, okay, well now I got to go do the same damn thing. And you know, now I'm kind of sad. And then once I hit my bonus, I'm happy for a day. And then Q1 starts up and then, you know, so it's kind of, you get on this, uh, what I called the hamster wheel in my blog post, but a lot of times there seem to be missing maybe the bigger picture of what are they ultimately striving for and what are they trying to, um, at least from Sim what Simon Sinek says, have a, a larger vision that they're trying to advance this vision. And that's kind of the infinite gain that you're constantly advancing some type of vision. So you can't necessarily be like the number one person in marriage or you can't win at health. But what you can do is want to push your vision of living a long, healthy life. So you're never going to win health or you're never going to achieve health or be the best at it, but you can continue to move this vision forward of constantly being happy or constant or living a healthy life. So I always try to, to uh, understand and, and encourage people to step back and see what their infinite game is. So maybe you are working at a bank and that seems to be uh, kind of a, a short term or maybe um, a less fulfilling career. But if you can see that uh, or, or find in it that you're helping people buy their first home and that's what you're able to do by helping people uh, get better loans and things like that. And that's where you're able to see the big vision. Um, I think that does kind of bring home a little bit more satisfaction than just the monetary piece. And that does 
probably sit at the top of the pyramid if we're going for the the hierarchy of needs here right so another article that kind of talks about this this discrepancy and i like that you brought up simon sinek because the start with why book is is fantastic and and it's a great subject to bring into this conversation was um was a blog post actually on more to that which is a pretty cool blog where they usually draw pictures and it's kind of a combination of cartooning and blogging um and and the post was called the riddle Mm. of the well-paying pointless job and so the the cartoon that he uses in this is a guy sitting on the back of a giant elephant that is saying yeah my job has great compensation great benefits and uh and then the elephant is labeled um why i do this or something to that to that effect so it's implying that the elephant in the room is that there's no reason why he does what he does so i think it's important as an employee to seek out compensation but also seek out things that align with to your point your version of the infinite game right what what is it that you're trying to be better at as a human being and how can your new position help you fulfill that all right well cool so as you're looking for for new jobs look for those meaningful things and the money but i guess we'll move on to tweet of the week now and i actually have a bit of a surprise for you guys today it's not a tweet and now I'm going to pause because I have to pull it up because I'm an idiot and didn't cue it. So give me a second. We'll leave that in there. So the post that we're going to be talking about today is actually a Facebook post by a good friend of mine and a business coach here in North Carolina called, uh, <laughs> whose name is Scott Moore. And he said, what's the annoyingly accurate thing about your profession that's portrayed in TV and film? So... Before I give my answer, I wanted to ask each of my colleagues here, what is the most annoying thing about our profession that's portrayed that's probably not accurate? All I can think of are the ones that are accurate and that most financial planners are are actually planners. They're just salesmen. (laughs) So I'm trying to think of the ones that are inaccurate. Um, Maybe the one, I'll just do the inverse of that. We're not all salespeople and we're not all trying to just take your money and run. I think so many people saw the Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, it is not that type of lifestyle. We're not throwing midgets in the conference room and, and doing coke in the bathroom. So it's definitely not that that life any longer. Whatever <laughs> for me, I guess I should clarify that. <laughs> any longer. Isaiah, past doing coke Move and on. throwing midgets in the bathroom, confirmed. <laughs> What about CPAs? They're they're freaks too. Let's uh let's throw that let's throw them in there. There's the the thing is is like some of that stuff. It's like it is true. Like there's I, I would say probably the biggest. You know, I, I'm just trying to think. Like um, I, I guess one of the things I heard when I was in college, which was kind of interesting, was like CPAs and accounting. You know, uh, numbers are the language of business, and I think. This guy happened to be originally a marketer, and um, and he was just kind of saying, "Hey, look, like you, when you're going into become an accountant or BCPA, you have to really understand that you're doing a lot of communications and stuff like that. And there's a lot of CPAs that are not good at communicating at all. And so, I do think there are good CPA advisors out there that can help with 
you know, tax or your business and explain things in a good way. So I don't think like the old school lampshade or some of these just totally boring, um, that some of that stuff is just not always true, but I, you know, sometimes some of these things are kind of funny because there's a hint of truth to it. Just like while the Wolf of Wall Street's a bit, uh, you know, glitzed up, there's probably a hint of truth of some of that in in some i think one popular one too would be like that advisors are uh here to pick good investments i feel like i hear that quite a bit and i know that old stack jack yeah yeah well yeah exactly and i know that like even my dad i mean that's not really he never in my mind really had a great advisor growing up and i think that when I got into it, his idea of what I did was investment based. And yes, it obviously we manage assets. So it's really easy to believe that that's our number one job is to pick good investments. And I know that he would ask me and be like, well, you know, what is a good investment? And I'd be like, well, you know, what's your definition of a good investment? It's like, well, one that goes up. And it's like, okay, well, if I can't guarantee you a stock that goes up over what time horizon, what, tomorrow, the next week? And he's like, well, if you don't know that, then, you know, what the hell do you know? And it's like, well, what we do is we design portfolios that are supposed to run a certain way and that have, you know, are able to be earmarked for certain goals over certain time horizons. So what I've now been able to explain to him, and he's a residential framer guy, is that what I'll just turn around and ask him, well, what tool is better, dad? Is a, is a hammer better or a shovel? And he'll say, well, what are you trying to do? Ding, ding, ding. That's how I'm able to pick investments. You know, some investments are hammers and some are shovels. And if you need to be digging a hole, then we'll, we know exactly what tool to use. And if we you need to pound a nail, we'll use a different tool. So that's kind of how I've been able to to make that conversation or that analogy. Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's actually the biggest one for me is that I think the perception of what we do versus what we actually do is like that whole meme where it's like what my friends think I do, what my family thinks I do. We've kind of talked about this before, but it, it's very different than I think what the public perceives of us. I, I also responded, Isaiah, with that whole like, you know, we're not the wolf of Wall Street thing, because I, I feel like people view most financial planners as like lavish and wealthy and driving Bentleys and all that. And it's like, oh, in reality, we have like higher than average incomes, but, you know, pretty decent lifestyles. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not it's not anything to uh, to to write home about for every financial planner. So. So back in my day, before Wolf of Wall Street was out, it was Boiler Room. Oh, so yeah. I don't know if any of you youths have seen so that. Yeah, man, always be closing. Keys. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. The keys, yeah. The Ben Affleck. So uh, love that scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ear to ear, baby. The quotes that I can think of are not very nice. And <laughs> explicit. An E episode. So I'll just. We have to record an explicit there, episode. Well, I mean, that's most of Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't watch that movie and be like, oh, yeah, these were reasonable people behaving reasonably. All right. Um, do we want to move on to our final topic? Colin, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so yeah, I think so. this kind of uh, piggybacks nicely off of the job satisfaction conversation. 
And I get this quite a bit too with, with younger clients talking about trying to, I guess my favorite or, or sarcastically my favorite is to create either passive income. But I think what they're really trying to do is just grow their income. And the most common one I get, and I think it's just because, you know, our parents were the, the buy a home that's part of your American dream. If we've seen maybe a, a parent or an uncle or a cousin move out of their home, keep the house, and now they're using it as a rental property. And they're, you know, they're creating this income stream that's growing their income. And I think that a proper or a rent real estate is really just a, the most popular one that I hear. But because of all, and we've already harped on real estate as, as uh, you know, the, the positives and negatives to it. But if you're not going to go into real estate, my question to you guys is how does one grow their income? Well, I mean, in the long term, the best answer that I have is save money and invest it um, because you can create income out of investments. And that's like fairly straightforward once you know how to invest, um, but also like side hustles and stuff. I don't know. Pick up a second job or start a blog or whatever. Uh, I, for me, some of it goes back to the beginning of this conversation, which was, you know, around job satisfaction. But even if you're not satis unsatisfied, sometimes the real reality is, is you have to go get another job. Um, I mean, a lot of this, there's plenty of studies that kind of show how people are, get raises and what that looks like. And if you go somewhere else and sometimes you get a bigger raise. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's one option. Um, especially if you're, have been doing something for long enough, like, Hey, maybe you're a manager and now you want to be a director or you want to be a manager because you've been a line staff person or whatever it is. Sometimes you have to go take another job somewhere else at a competitor or different agency or whatever it is. So sometimes that's a good way to increase your, to increase your income. But I mean, for me, it's or at least that's a good spot to start looking at is, you know, if you can increase your wage, especially if you're younger, that's probably going to be the best place to start. That isn't really going to cost you a whole lot of capital versus, Hey, you want to go buy a piece of rental real estate. Okay. Well, you're gonna have to have a pile of cash. So one other thing that I would say, which is maybe some a free tip for increasing your income through your job is when you're going into a performance review, it can sometimes be very powerful to get an offer from another company and be able to bring that. Now, you don't want to offend your current employer, but being able to say like, hey, you know, I, I really like where I work, um, but as it turns out, it looks like I'm worth 10,000 more a year elsewhere. Is there some middle we can meet in? Um, so that I can stay here, but get a raise that helps me financially. I mean, if you're really concerned about the financial payoff from your work, a lot of employers will respond positively to knowing that you know what you're worth, but also respond positively to the idea that you're putting value on staying with them. Um, because obviously changing jobs can be stressful, but if you, if you can get somewhere in the in-between, that's still a good raise. The first job that I had, I brought in like uh, comparisons. I didn't have a job offer necessarily, but like comparisons of the similar role. And basically, they uh, were like, "Nah, no thanks." <laughs> like, call my bluff. I didn't really have anywhere else to go at that point. But I, I think I think that 
as long as you read the room and know that you're a quality employee, like if you're not a good employee, they might just fire your ass and then you're out the door. So make sure you at least have have some legitimate skills and, and know your worth. But yeah, don't do it if you're kind of, you know, last review wasn't very good and you're coming in like, hey, I can make more somewhere else. Like, eh, okay. Well, but yeah, to- let's start with the baseline assumption that our listeners are good at what they do and do it with some amount of tenacity, but that might not be true. <laughs> yeah, well, and you need to be self-aware and understand. Like, I think people tend to overvalue themselves, and I'm sure we're all probably fairly guilty of that too. But the whole, like, uh, raise your income and this whole conversation, I, I mean, I think all of us are biased in this way, but start a business. Um, you have a lot more control over your earning income if you have the ability to have a business and then that can facilitate other business opportunities. And I've seen that even in the short time frame of having the RIA open. Like there's been conversations of, hey, what about this? What about this? Uh, right now, my focus is on you know one business and not trying to do all things uh, other places. But I, I think you'll start connecting with other business owners at that point and you can see some opportunities because... Um, Brent B. Shore, who's someone that I love following on Twitter, uh, talks about uh, the surest path to top 1% earnings for you and your children, start or buy a small business. So uh, I don't think it's it's rocket science. And if you talk to enough small business owners, you're going to realize, this, again, if you're an intelligent, hardworking person, that you can do it too. There's going to be some sacrifices up front for possibly years, but if you're good at what you do and you know slowly continue to take care of people the yeah, right way, I'll, you'll I'll do cheat well. at my own question here and probably want to uh, start, of course, with the end in mind and say, well, what, how much income do you even need in order to accomplish the ultimate goals here? Because it's so easy to just want more, and if that's the case, then I think you're probably, um, you know, just chasing a number or a, a happiness thing, kind of piggybacking from the last topic that maybe isn't achievable for you, which, you know, let's, let's kind of pause here and make sure you're even doing these things for the right reason. Um, but to actually answer the question uh, with, with a to-do list here, I always kind of, uh, you know, have a, have a, give, a, give a tough look if someone's trying to pile up money to buy real estate and grow their wealth that way when their employer is willing to pay for them to get their master's or something like that. To me, like growing your human capital and things that you can take with you no matter what is the best way that I usually try to encourage people to, to grow their wealth and grow their income is, is, you know, just better yourself and better your skills. And it's like, hey, what you want to create better income? Um, what's, what's the last book that you read? Oh, I haven't read books and, you know, since college. Okay, well, maybe we should start there. Like if we could get, you know, Warren Buffett to come here and give you a motivational speak, would you listen? Oh, okay, well, he's written a book. You know, have you read it? Uh, what about Sam Walton? I mean, you can go on Amazon and buy his book for four ninety nine. one of the best entrepreneurs that's ever existed. Like it, there's just so many uh, cool ways to, to grow and expand your mind and that you have no idea what ideas that could lead to. Um, so that's probably one place that I'd encourage people to start. So uh, maybe some takeaways here, guys. Uh, I think the first and biggest takeaway for me is that when you're looking to change jobs, don't just evaluate the compensation package, but evaluate why you would enjoy working at that place. And really ask yourself that because 
even though it can be valuable to change jobs in order to increase your income, you don't want to be job hopping every year. It's not fun. Yeah, I think I'll double down on that one and really encourage people to understand their why and to try to see the bigger picture and know that maybe your sales bonus is a uh, a finite game and there's going to be a lot of finite games that are not going to be bringing you long-term joy. They might make you happy for a day or two, but to find that ongoing joy, you're going to have to look a little bit deeper and at a bigger picture here of what your infant game is and and what are you really what type of vision are you trying to progress i just yeah i think that sometimes looking at real estate rental properties or you know it just seems like hey it almost seems like it's almost a a quick fix and 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 really it's not for all of us that we know that um i I just think yeah it's you know thinking about gary v like you're going to be on earth hypothetically for a very long time so it's thinking about the long game so there's probably some things you can do that are quick wins in the current like where you currently are or if you can make an easy move fine but um you know to me it's just about yeah you can take some of those quick wins but some of these other things are just they're very long plays and um you know starting a business is a great idea it's i agree with you Isaiah on the uh, like at the big picture but you know it's also not for everybody either so um you know you kind of got to work within your own self and understand what you want to do and um yeah like I said going back to what Colin said about the real estate like oh I want to diversify my income or grow my income it's like what's what's the purpose what tool like why do you need this tool I think that's great good place to uh, wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening and uh, tune in next time. Thanks so much for listening. We hope we were able to make you laugh and allow you to learn something. For all inquiries and questions, please email financialforesight at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter, feel free to give us a follow and ask a question there as well. Remember the podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only, and you should not consider what we've talked about investment or tax advice. Please consult your professional team before implementing anything we talked about. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and maybe leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and thank you so much for listening. We'll be talking again soon.